You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what's going on, sir? Not much. You know, sorting through uh, the aftermath. We got rookie training camp coming up pretty soon. Uh, we're starting to hear a little bit more about what teams' plans are or what some of these mm-hmm. other teams' rookies are looking like. We actually get a look at our guys this weekend, which is, uh, you know, whatever that's worth. It's a couple pictures here and there and what they look like in shorts. But at this point, we're all starved for information about these new guys, so uh, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, so today we are going to answer your Twitter questions, and we have some pretty good ones. Um, and I want to go ahead and start off with uh, this question about Sean Lee. Uh, because on Monday afternoon, an article came out, I believe it was by uh, the Dallas Morning News, stating that Sean Lee has been told he is going to be the team's starting Sam linebacker in 2019. I kind of always assumed it was going to be Chris Covington or Justin Marchalillard. I guess I really never put much thought that it could potentially be Sean Lee. Uh, so I just kind of want your initial reactions. What do you make of the Cowboys telling Lee that he's going to be one of their starting linebackers in week one? Well, I think, you know, and you and I literally were just talking about this off the air, but I think one of the things that will be an underrated storyline of the offseason that we have not discussed nearly enough at this point is that the the defense, I think, it might be going through some schematic changes. I mean, not not, not heavy schematic changes, not but dramatic, a, yeah. shift, a shift into more of what we would consider to be the Seattle version of this defense uh, as opposed to some of the more Marinelli things. And I Mm -hmm. think one of those things may be uh, the act of of playing uh, the strong side defensive end, at least on base downs at times, maybe more over the tight end and allowing your your strong side linebacker to be more of an off-ball linebacker as opposed to an on-the-line guy who is basically just you know two-point stance on t- uh, over the tight end. Uh, and that would allow a guy like Sean Lee to get some good snaps with Jalen and Leighton Van Der Esch, and I think that is you know the best of both worlds with, with some of that. Um, you know, I think the, the thought process is that uh, you... Uh, you you, you, you want to get him in there you know for snaps as many as you can uh, that he can stay healthy on you, you want him as your backup as well but I think if you can get all three of them on the field at the same time in base downs um, uh, you know and you could maybe give uh, uh, you know so give blitz Jalen a, a little bit more mm-hmm. if you need to and you could maybe two gap even because that's what Seattle was doing with some of their uh, uh, strong side stuff now I don't know that you want to do that with Demarcus Lawrence but right. I, I, you know I'm thinking you know this just to mix things up a little bit and I think that's part of what we're talking about if, if we're talking about uh, a guy playing on the line of scrimmage I think Chris Covington is probably more suited to play that that version of the Sam linebacker but if we're talking about a, a more of an off ball linebacker uh, a true kind of 4-3 um, you know I, I could definitely see Sean Lee 
thriving in a, in a role. I mean, any role that takes him off the line of, off the line of scrimmage, I think he is, is going to be his best best suited. I, I don't know that playing over the tight end is something that he's going to be doing a right, ton of. Right. Um, but you know, at the same time. It'll be interesting to see exactly what kind of Sean Lee we get because even when he was healthy and playing at times last year, it just didn't seem like it was the same guy. No, it wasn't now, good. I remember doing some of our earlier, at least a couple of the um, the game reviews, and we kind of criticized how poorly he played. But I think this is the best way to keep Sean Lee as a quote-unquote starter, get him on the field, seeing action, but not not forcing him to play, right? If you can get him 10 to 15 snaps a game, so he's still like in the speed of things, so he he knows what what defenses he, he there he, they're in, the, um, he can help with scheming from week to week and with the game plan. I just think this might be the best case scenario for all parties involved. I think this allows you to keep Leighton Vanderesh on the field. And we talked about this last year. Vanderesh was not good when he was having to rotate in, right? He was a much no. better player when you gave him all the snaps. So yeah. this can you can keep Vanderesh in, you can keep Jalen in, but also you can keep Sean Lee up to speed in case one of those two guys goes down. At least there's not going to be a big transition period having Lee go from off the bench into the starting lineup. Yeah, and I was going to say I think the other thing with Sean Lee's play last year, I, I think looking back, we didn't, they didn't really know, but looking back, it was probably a mistake to not let him play basically at all during training camp. Yeah, I think I, I agree. Think that, I think that ultimately was what got him on the wrong off on the wrong foot because I think his play once he was healthy again in the second half of the season, I think his play got better. Yeah, I would um, agree. But early on in the season, he looked like he was still finding his way. Still, I agree. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Sean Lee uh, and, and how he how he handles that Sam linebacker role. Um, I like this question from at D, D Haskins: Is Chris Richard's demand for tall, long cornerbacks too rigid when the trend in the NFL is going to the small, shifty wide receivers? What do you think, Landon? I you know. I, trends are a dangerous thing in the NFL. Absolutely, yeah. and, and following trends is a great way to become the Washington Redskins. Um, you know, I, I and, and look, you know, I think that you, you chase these trends too much, and 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 the, ga- the NFL game is is not about trends. It's so that's why trends are dangerous too, is because it, the schemes are so widely different, and and uh, there may not be a ton of different schemes, but th- they are very different from each other. So. Um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Look, the, the thought process here is a lot more man coverage, um, you know, more you know, smaller guys who can cover, blah, 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 blah. These guys are big and long, and, and they play zone. And the idea here is less about, about being able to keep up with receivers and more about closing off throwing windows mm-hmm. and, and being in areas where the ball is trying to be delivered to and looking at the quarterback – creating turnovers, getting hands on the football, making the quarterback make difficult throws, making the quarterback hold on to the ball for a second longer while the pass rush is bearing down on top of you. You know, just like other things, I think people need to understand that they're despite what a lot of people with it's not just analytics people, it's it's everybody. They they think that it's there's one way to do it. There's one way to skin a cat, as they say. Sure. There's not. There's a lot of different ways to win and to get it done. Um, and I think that uh, you can have success with as being a zone team. Uh, I think you can have success mixing it up. I think there are a lot of different ways to do it. 
I would be wary about too closely following trends or, or, you know, because I think that's not what works. It's not important about what the rest of the teams are doing. It's about what works best with the pieces that you've got and what works best with the system that you've installed with the uh, with the you know, the direction that you're going. Everybody needs to be pointed and looking in the same direction. You can't just kind of cherry pick trends here and there and hope that it fits with everything else that you've got going. You need to have a plan at every single position and, and that all needs to work together in conjunction to make your offense and then your defense work better as a whole right and that's why i don't love the idea of well uh, corners are getting smaller now that we should do that that actually works better for you if everyone else wants to go out and get draft all these smaller corners you're going to get michael jackson in the fifth round Mm -hmm. you're going to get chris westry undrafted free agent and and look and i was just talking about john with about this real real quick chris westry may be a end up being a better player than michael jackson sure but the reason that the cowboys drafted michael jackson is because He's probably on more teams' boards because he can, you know, his skill set is a little bit more, you know, malleable for all 32 teams. That means his draft stock is higher. That doesn't mean that he's a better, you know, has potential to be a better player. Chris Westry is physically and athletically a perfect fit for what this defense wants to do. If his upside is realized, it's way higher than Michael Jackson. So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of this isn't, people need to, you know, Look, look a little deeper into the situation. It's not always about what the trends in the NFL are doing what worldwide. It's about what are you doing in conjunction to your system. And this is like, if you just go look at Belichick. That's how he does it. He has a system. Every single thing is thought out beforehand. So he knows exactly what he wants, and he goes gets the guys that fit what he's doing. He's not just picking people willy-nilly. He's, he's creating a system and then filling it with the players that he needs. That system may change and morph it through the years, but he has a plan at every, th- every position. He's not just going with the winds of the NFL and the whims of, of what's fancy at the time. All excellent points, and I agree with every single one of them. Uh, the only thing I was going to add is it's not like the Cowboys are targeting big, unathletic cornerbacks, right? No, yeah. no, no. When you look at the corners they have in the roster, I'm going to read them right down through. In terms of spark percentile, Byron Jones, 99th percentile. Chidobi Awuzie, 98th percentile. Chris Westry, 99th percentile. And poor Michael Jackson, only in the 90th percentile. So, I mean, you've got super athletes playing on the outside. So I'm not worried about these small, shifty receivers being so much more Quick are so much quicker or more athletic than the corners covering them. That's just not the case. The Cowboys are just prioritizing super athletes at that position rather than guys who maybe have really good tape but less than desirable measurables. And that's why I feel good about the Cowboys' long-term plan of, hey, we're going to just keep throwing resources at the cornerback position. These are the kind of guys we're looking for, and ultimately it's going to work out. Uh, any thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, I mean, I think that's it. I mean, they're not... They're not putting just you know defensive ends at corner, right? I mean these guys are incredible athletes. Well, even like they, Brandon Browner, six foot three, but ran in the fourth six threes. That's yeah. not the kind of corner they're looking for. Yeah, no, I mean they're they're looking. You know, it's it's 
they've hybridized these systems to a certain degree. It's they're not. It's not even like Richard Sherman. No, you know, it's like necessarily. It's but that they they. It's more that they want the athletes that are long so that they can do both. You know, they can play the cover. It's a cover one and cover three scheme. But they, but they, they play other, you know, defenses as well. They mix it up a little bit more than just one and three. So I think that they want, they need them to be versatile enough to hang in those systems. But I think, in the meantime, they can get guys like Westry and mm-hmm. and, and you know them on the field because they can play, uh, uh, you know, in the system as needed in the for the very base of the system with right. three and one. Don't forget about Donovan Alumbo, though. I still feel like he has a good know, chance to I make know, the roster. I, I don't. And listen, I tried I, I, over the years. I mean, he's he's been on the team for two years, hasn't he? No, last year was his remember. first no, year. No, it's just last year. I, I've been trying to write him off the team for years. Like what it feels like, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not doing that this year. Like I'm not doing that this, uh, but not not years because he's only been there for one year. But it seems like he's been there for a while. Right. I guess it was because he got he signed before the previous at the end of the last the previous year right. before, right? right. Yeah, so I, I I've been trying to write this guy off. I'm I'm done doing it. So uh, I'm I'm gonna root for him this year. And I think, you know, yeah, the fact that Chris Bouchard's on the team, he's got an even better chance than he ever has before to to make it. All right, let's take a quick break, and we will come back and we will answer some more of your Twitter questions. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence that you need. Listen up, BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready for whenever an opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit. No waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's Blue, B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code LOCKEDON to try it for free right now. Bluetooth is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Landon. Um, this one comes from uh, at extra underscore point. Um, the free agency period where it is possible to get compensatory picks will be over at 4 p.m. on Tuesday. Is there a name you feel the Cowboys could go after or should go after? Um there's there's a lot of notable names out there. I know some people are thinking Nadamakan Sue would make some sense. I, I'm not one of those. But is there a guy left on the market you think uh, could contribute for the Cowboys this year? I mean, I think there's guys on the market that could contribute. I just don't know that there's guys that are going to come in here for a price that they want to pay and that are going to make the team that much better. I mean, I think I'm wondering what Eric Berry's market is. You How know? about Trey I Boston? Mean, Trey Boston's going to want to come in here and play free safety. And I, yeah, and but I Steven don't, said last year he's a box safety. <laughs> that's, oh, did he? That's yeah, right. That's why I'm so confused well, about, about their lack of interest well, with I mean, Boston. Be, well, I, I, and also, I feel, listen, Trey Boston, for two seasons in a row, has priced him his own self off of teams. Right. So, uh, you know, 
I mean, say what you will, but they they're clearly not going to pay a, a, a ton of. They're not going to overpay, and they're not probably not going to pay. You know, just even regular value for safety. I think that's point. fair. Yeah. So uh, they've made it clear that and that's their the, a strategy, and that's listen. That's an acceptable strategy. People need to understand that, like, you can't pay every position, you know. And they've made a, a strategic choice to to save on the, on safeties. And I think if you look at the way that the game is going, it's not the worst idea, mm-hmm. you know. With with RPOs, short passing game being king, there's not a lot of safeties out there that are that can do what Earl Thomas can do. So why why pay all any of them that aren't Earl Thomas Earl Thomas money? So mm-hmm. I, I I think this is their thought process here. If Eric Berry isn't on a team and wants to be on a team and, and wants to play for uh, a you know I think a re- not you know vet minimum, but I think you know a, a decent contract, a year proven, an incentivated contract. I, I think the Cowboys would be interested. I mean, there's a reason they brought him in, but I, I don't know that like outside of that in any of these guys, I think. Unless they're willing to come in here on low, low contracts, I think the Cowboys look. I think the Cowboys have a pretty great roster right yeah, now. Yeah, it's good. Yep. You know, so I, I don't know that they need to add anybody. Right. All right. Um, this next question comes from Adam. Uh, he wants to know if the Cowboys kept their first round pick in this past draft, 2019 draft, who do you think their selection would have been at that spot? Um, I'll go ahead and answer this first. So, assuming the Cowboys are picking at 27. Um, I again, I still think it's a three technique is where they're looking. Uh, obviously, if there's no Amari Cooper on the team, you probably had to look at receiver. I didn't love any of these guys to come in and walk in and be day one starters at receiver. But to me, the guy that kind of just stands right out is Jerry Tillery. Tillery was picked at 28 to the Chargers. I think in Rob Marinelli's scheme with his athleticism, uh, I think and the, if the Cowboys need, I think that would have been a, a fantastic pick. Uh, just looking down at some of the other names. Um, Nikhil Harry is at least a little bit interesting. I know the Cowboys had some love for LJ Collier. Uh, maybe one of the cornerbacks between Greedy Williams, uh, maybe AJ Brown. But I think for me, it's Jerry Tillery. Uh, for you, Landon, who would you like to see the Cowboys pick at 27 if they stayed there? Well, Abram got picked at 27. I probably wouldn't have done that. Um, I, I wouldn't have done that at 52 or we're 58 or whatever. I, 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 you know, I don't know. I, yeah. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have done a 58 either, probably. <laughs> I wouldn't have loved it. I just, yeah. Um, I, I would have been tempted to trade up to go get Simmons. That would have yeah, been, I mean, I, I, think, been like, I think if Simmons, like, you know, especially at that point, I would have been, I, I mean, I, I, I can't trade up for Simmons, though, especially with this team. Artillery, I think, is probably the obvious answer. Yeah. Just because it makes too much sense, right? Um, yeah, I would. I'd say Tillery. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's the safest bet of who they would have liked. L.J. Uh, Collier would, would have been considered. Uh, I'm assuming too. Man, I'm glad we didn't have a first round pick then, because <laughs> I, I was not a big fan of Collier. Um, hmm. All right, this is an interesting question uh, from uh, Matt. What role do you think Tony Pollard will have in Kellen Moore's offense in year one? Well, I mean, I think. We're going to see what this offense looks like, you know, I guess once training camp comes in. And I think that there's a chance that it's, you know, the elements that. All right, let's have this conversation. Let's do it. Here's here's what I think has happened over the last two years. Okay, I'm ready. I think that Garrett with prodding from Kellen Moore. 
which was came from Dak and the rest of the players, was that we needed to add more to the offense, more gadgets, whatever. You know, like more... To, and I think this was where, you know, the the success of Lucky Whitehead uh, at the position when he had the success there, they they wanted to use that position a little bit more. We're I throwing think that Scott, word success around maybe a little bit too too loosely. Lucky Whitehead was a success in Dallas. I, I no, I said <laughs> okay. the role the role okay. was a was a success <laughs> oh, okay. though. We could say that, right? Okay, that's fair. Like, like the idea of having that kind of constraints reverse run wide receiver, like that. I mean, that that role you think is a role that this offense should continue to use, right? I, I agree. Yeah, I think they need that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so that's that's what I was saying. So, so I think that came from Kellen, Kellen, and that side of the the pushing this offense to change a little bit more. I think Linehan was the guy that was clearly the one pushing back on the idea of evolving more than where where it was right sure um i think so now that he's gone i think that that is probably gonna kick up a little bit more i don't know how much more but i think it will i think there will be uh more development along uh, more of that role specifically along those lines and i think that pollard potentially will be in play for that role for the Tavon austin role if you want to call it that um, I think that he will be in the mix as running back, you know, for, in the mix for running back two, if not, you know, the the walk in you know, starter at running back two, not starter at running back two, but the, you know, the first guy uh, off the bench when Zeke comes off, um, and and then I think that you know he's going to play special teams, he's going to play, uh, I mean, he's going to play on all, I think all special teams. I agree. Uh, yeah. He's going to have a pretty big role. I, I, I mean, the, the question is on offense, what's his role? I think you know, he, like I said, he could be that Tavon Austin guy, maybe plus, you know, because he can do a couple more things. Um, and I think that he's going to be a guy that you potentially could put in the backfield at the same time as Zeke, uh, and, and do some some interesting things as well. Maybe even way more so than Rod Smith, because I think he can do more interesting, more explosive things, and he's such a different back than Zeke. I agree, yeah. That, uh, you know, you could put him in there and motion them both out of the, out of the backfield. You could motion uh, him, uh, Pollard out of the backfield, keep Zeke in. Uh, there's a lot of, whole bunch of different things because of he can run block, because he can, uh, you know, can't, he's not a pass blocker yet, but he can do almost everything else uh, on the football field. So because of that, putting him on the field, Especially with Zeke on the field at the same time, uh, it, it it really can open you up to anything, and it, it really leaves defenses guessing as to what's coming next. I think Tony Pollard is going to have a bigger role on the offense than what people think. I, I just don't think it's going to be all that hard to find ways to get him the ball, to see yeah. him on special teams. Um, I expect him to to be a, a a fairly important contributor right away because he can line up as a wide receiver and run routes. I oh, mean, yeah. the, the thing is, is He's that you, you could you go out in twenty personnel. And they, you know, how does the defense respond to that? And and, and they, let's say they they put out their their linebackers, and then suddenly you've got Pollard lining up in the slot to run routes, like th- th- with a linebacker. Like and that's people that's, are going to compare him to Tavon Austin because they're going to think the role is similar. But again, I, I I try to remember this or try to tell people this. He's almost like forty pounds heavier than Tavon Austin. So yeah. you can run him between the tackles, and it's not a big deal at all. No, and I yeah. think that's where the first thing people are going to see in preseason is, holy cow, you can actually give this guy regular running back carries and it's not a big deal at all. So um, I, I'm interested to see him. All right, last little thing, Lana, before we leave. Um, 
So there was this thing on Twitter last night where people oh, were giving out hot takes that you absolutely 100% oh believe in. Oh my god, I saw yours. Well, I had a couple. I, I just want to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to throw them out to the listener that just happened to maybe not see it. And I just kind of want your reaction to it. You can make fun of me if, if you want to. I'm not going right. to change my opinion. All right, the first one. <laughs> if Tony Romo would have played with Sean Payton in New Orleans, he would have been a top 10 quarterback of all time. Now, I will say this. I initially, when I had that tweet saved, because I've had it saved for a while, I had it saved as top five quarterback. So I, I scaled it back a little bit. Now, wow. I'm saying a top 10 wow. quarterback, not a top five quarterback. Uh, of all time? How, of all time. How ridiculous of a statement is that? That's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, 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 I'll end your, I'll retort your hot take with this. If Drew Brees and Tony Romo were traded, Drew Brees would do better in, with the Cowboys than Tony Romo did with the Saints. Oh, see, that's that that hurts. That really hurts. <laughs> okay, I got to follow up with my next tweet. Uh, the only difference between Tony Romo and Drew Brees is that one was forced to play with uh, Jason Garrett, while the other played most of his career oh with Sean Payton. Oh my God, that is such. That is so. I truly believe it. You disrespectful so to Drew Brees. That is so Sean, disrespectful. Sean Payton wanted Drew Brees, or wanted Tony Romo first. I just that's always been in the back of my mind. He wanted to trade for Tony Romo. He settled for uh, for Drew Brees. Just want to put that out there. That is so disrespectful, dude. All right, and that is it for today's show. Uh, Are you, you kidding me? We're gonna leave <laughs> off with that? Oh my god! It's, listen, so I, I just can't wait for people to listen to this and just nod their head, agreeing with me. There, there's people uh, out there. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are. Like, but there's a lot of smart yeah. people that listen. That's to this disrespectful to Drew Brees. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. I'm firing those hot takes now that we're in the summer. So make sure you guys are following along. Uh, we will see you guys next time. <laughs>